0: The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for His kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow us on Facebook and visit shadygrovepca.org. Let me pray for us. Oh, we're reminded beneath the cross of Jesus, Lord, May these wonders be upon our hearts. Amazing grace and our unworthiness. Help us to see all that you have done and are doing for us. Even despite us. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your power. Thank you for your wisdom. Your goodness. Open up our eyes now as we consider your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 148, <clears throat> beginning and ends with hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hear God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens. And you waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and, and, and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, all old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're not familiar with what's happening here we've been looking at the hallelujah psalms the psalms that begin and end with praise the lord and the reasons for praise vary in these different hallelujah psalms but this psalm is what is called a creation psalm and there are other psalms that are just dedicating to praising god for his glory and creation and typically under that category you get 5 psalms if you want to read them this afternoon there's psalm 8 psalm 19 Psalm 33 and Psalm 104, but we do have to give a few honorable mentions, and that would be Psalm 29, 65, 98, and 147, which we've already considered. But as we look at this psalm this morning, I want us to look, take the kaleidoscope lens, and look through this psalm through the to the classic Christian worldview, which is creation, fall redemption, glory. It's how we should look at everything in life and through those four lenses. And I want to try and consider this psalm through that lens. And if if you notice the outline of this psalm or where it begins is, where does it begin? Verse 1, what does it tell us? From the heavens, right? We don't get to from the earth. That's the big division in verse 7. So the first uh, six verses are from the heavens, and it's calling everything in the heavens to praise Him. Those that are nearest to God, and so you couldn't be any higher than the psalm begins. And by the time you get done, you couldn't get any lower than when you get down to children. And that's where you've kind of reached the lowest, okay? All the way. He loves, God is calling the whole universe to praise Him from the highest and the high. And it lists all these things, the the heavens and the heights. And who's to praise Him? Well, the angels and the host. And there's beings that we don't even really know about. I mean, we're called living creatures in Revelation. Like, okay, what what are they? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, We've got angels. We've got hosts. We've got sun, moon, and stars. Um, And then even the waters above the heavens, they're all called to praise Him. And then we get down to the earth. And then you have... These things that are, you great sea creatures and all deeps. I just watched my octopus teacher. Thank you, Jonathan Hawes, for recommending that. Man, have you guys seen that on Netflix? I mean, that is just an amazing hour-and-a-half documentary of a guy who goes back every day and he literally just snorkels down. He's got the most amazing camera equipment and he follows the life of this octopus and he takes you to a whole nother world and you're seeing the predators that are trying to kill this octopus and the amazing skills of this octopus to elude it's you know it's predators and it's just it's an amazing amazing um to me it just brings glory to, to the lord it's a shame he doesn't the guy who's actually you know he says you know the over millions of years this octopus has evolved and gotten wiser and wiser over millions of years and uh we would just say God created it that way, and all glory be to God. But I would just encourage you, if you want to see a whole other world that you've never seen before in, in depths of detail, it's, it's amazing. Did anybody see the triple breach this week of the three whales in unison at the same time coming out of the water in Cape Cod? I mean, was that not amazing? Of, and, and then they have to, you know, like bleep it on some of the videos because the people watching it are, you know, giving expletives. Wouldn't it have been amazing if they would have just saw it and said, praise God! Praise Jesus, you know, glory to God. I mean, that would have been more fitting because it's God who is over all of these creatures and their creation. But if you haven't seen the triple breach, go to YouTube and watch that because that is just, it's pretty rare to see three of them coming out in concert together like that at the same time. Amazing. God's glory in his creation. You great sea creatures in all deeps, praise him. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy, stormy wind. Those are all things that are basically involving water, okay? Lightning, hail, snow, mist, stormy wind. It's talking about God being over the storms. The storms are to praise Him. And we had a few of those this week. Mountains and all hills, whether you're in an, an anthill or you're Mount Everest, praise Him. Fruit trees and all cedars, the beast and all livestock. Creeping things. How many creeping things are there anyway? It's it's 10 quintrillion, that would be, I think it's uh, 18 zeros after the 10. That's how many creatures God, that we found so far in his creation of just things that wiggle and move around and we would say are bugs, um, they're to bring praise and glory to him as well. Everything is to bring praise to God, kings of the earth, all peoples, and it goes all the way down to children, and then lastly, God's people and he's referring to Israel, but we are now the people of God. We are now also Israel, we're engrafted into that. But the good news is that he's raised up a horn and that's the idea of redemption, is that the horn, when you think, don't think an instrument horn, think rhinoceros horn. I mean, the idea of the horn in scripture is this idea of strength and that we're gonna win a victory. And the big horn that the Bible's pointing to in the Old Testament was the guy named David. And the New Testament points to a greater David. And so we have a greater horn who's come to save his people and save us from our sin. And so this psalm is calling for all of creation to praise him, but in particular, God's people. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, we, I asked you guys to take a sheet of paper and to have two circles. Do you remember that? We did two circles. We did a big circle and then a smaller circle. And what was the smaller circle? You guys help me out. Yeah, you remember them doing the circles, can't remember what was in them. The bottom circle is creation. And that that we are a created people, but the big circle is the creator. And the idea is there's a creator-creature distinction. Apparently, Cornelius Van Til would do that every single lecture. I mean, I've known people that had him as a professor, and he would draw those two circles up every day in class, and he would just drill that into your heads. There's a creator, there's a creation, and you are completely dependent on the creator. And if the creator was to disappear, guess what would happen to you if God ceased to be? You're done. Because you live and move and have your being because of him and you only live right now because of his word. So you see there's a connection here between verse five and verse eight and it says that all of the creation in the heights are to praise the Lord. Why? Because he commanded and they were created. Our God has spoken and he says, let there be light and there was light. Genesis 1, 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He can speak the creation into existence. Incredible doctrine of creation, right, in verse 5. But notice the connection in verse 8, that the storm, the fire, the hail, the lightning, and the hail, the snow, the mist, the stormy wind, is fulfilling his word. We just read this morning, we confessed it as a church, that he upholds the universe, how? How? In, in Hebrews 1.3, by the word of his power, you're being held right now by Jesus' word and all the universe is. And so even this storm is fulfilling his word. So he creates and he sustains how? By his word. We are giving praise to a person. And so the idea of the creator-creature distinction is that our God is transcendent. He is above. Notice it says he is... He is um, the waters above the heavens even are to praise him and he's from the heavens in the height all his angels all his host like that's way beyond anything that we can see it's way above his creation he's above the universe he's transcendent but our god is imminent he breaks into our world and he cares about his creation even the littlest details even a sparrow can't even fall to the ground apart from the will of god right he knows the very hairs on our head and jesus comes near and and he's touching people as a human being he takes on flesh he becomes so near he's imminent and so in our picture that we drew we drew the creator and the and the creation and that so much of our world today is everything is just one circle That's all people believe is everything is one circle. They don't see a creator. They see creation. That's why they worship creation. They're constantly worship creation. What is pornography? It's worshiping creation. What's the last thing God created? A woman. And and that's what people are falling into. And they're worshiping pornography. And they watch things they shouldn't be watching. And there's so much of a serving of worshiping the creation. If you don't get this in first... And we'll get to that. There's just a, a lot of idolatry that flows. What, what is idolatry? It's worshiping the creation rather than the creator. It's only seeing there's one circle. It's everything is creation. And so we look for the greatest things in creation and we praise it and we worship it and we look for that and we forget there's another big circle. It's God is the one who's breaking into this world and he's made all of these things and all of creation is to praise him. But we live in a world that's just... It's just one circle. There was a famous new age woman who said, I found God in myself. And, uh, and he says, um, and she says, and I loved her fiercely. You know, so, you know, I found God in myself and I loved her fiercely. And that's really much of our world today. It's one circle and it's all worship of self. And that would be what the Bible calls idolatry because it's not seeing that God is the one who's over this. And as we saw in our, as we made this chart a few weeks ago, we looked at two uh, letters. Do you remember what the two letters were of compare and contrast? There was an N and there was a U. And the N is the world's approach as the one bottom circle as the creation tries to get to God it's an end and you try to get to God by you going up to God and trying to find God and like Plato coming out of the the cave and seeing the light and then going back down that's one approach that's not the right approach that's not what the Bible says the Bible is the you God comes down to us lifts us up and brings us with him into heaven God comes to us, saves us. So the you is, is, there's a connection between these two circles of creator and creation. But all of the world is called to praise him. And it's interesting, I mean, psalms like this and then psalms like Psalm 98 where it says, Let the seas roar and all that it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let the heavens be glad, the earth rejoice. Um, all of creation is called upon to praise Him. And we, we will sing hymns like that, like all creatures of our God and King, and it's calling all of the things in creation to praise Him, just as this is calling all of God's creation to praise Him. Well, this is what we see throughout the Bible, is God is prea- praised His Creator and Redeemer. But consider the scope of this Psalm of how thorough it is. There's one pastor by the name of Roy Clemens, He's in England, and he, put, he wrote this. He said the psalmist explores here just about every area of human knowledge to catalog the potential members uh, of the cosmic creation. He begins in the field of cosmology, angels, stars, and waters above the skies. Then when he satisfied himself that he ex- has exhausted the celestial realm, he turns to the terrestrial Marine biology, great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Meteorology, lightning and hail, snow and winds, stormy winds that do his bidding. And then geomorphology and dendrology, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Zoology and ornithology, wild animals, cattle, small creatures and flying birds. And to cap it all, political geography, sociology and anthropology, kings of the earth, all nations, princes and rulers, young men and, and maidens, old man in the kitchen and, and children. He said there really can't be many unsolved articles left in his encyclopedia. And so what we see from this psalm is the glory that God is, as we've been confessing as the church for centuries, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And we acknowledge, we, we believe that God created out of nothing, and so we, we say like things like, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, right? Romans eleven thirty six. 36. And we already said this morning, we confess as the church that by, through Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or dominions or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. But then you have this interesting, as you start to think about the power of the spoken word, is that God calls things into being that are not as though they were. That's the point of Romans 4.17. You see, and and we also say this in Hebrews 11.3, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We call that creation ex nihilo, or out of nothing is the Latin point. Well, there's some points for us to think through that because think about how amazing this is, that when Jesus says to the serpent, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." Think about that. In light of, of, of before the creation ever existed, from eternity to eternity, before the mountains were brought forth in Psalm 90, we're told, you're God. And we're told that after creation is like an old pair of jeans that's thrown out. It says, you're the same, your years have no end. So before the creation was, God existed. And after creation is, is gone away, God exists. And we exist now by, we live by the word of God. And so not just spiritually, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're living right now and we're breathing and our heart is pumping and our lungs are, are taken in air because of God and his word that's sustaining us. So we should be living by the word of God, his word that he's given to us, his special revelation. And so our God because he created us, he owns, he's the owner. And so, in light of that, what do we really own? I mean, we own things in relation to one another. And we do believe in personal property. We do have an eighth commandment do not steal. If <clears throat> we didn't believe in personal property, where there's no need for an eighth commandment because we just share everything and nothing belongs to nobody. We don't, we don't believe that. But we do acknowledge that compare, when we compare ourselves to God, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. <clears throat> He's the owner of everything. It's all his. And so the idea is that, you know, when we give to God, it's not like, okay, I'm going to give God his 10% and then I'll, I'll keep my 90%, you know, or it's, it's all his. It's all 100% is his. So he, the whole world is his, the, the, you know, and he says if he was hungry, he wouldn't tell us, you know, the mountains are his, the seas are his, everything is his. He, he declares the heavens are mine, the earth is mine, the world in it. He's the one who's founded it. It's all his, and so we should think, how do we make much of God as the rightful maker? Well, we have this problem, and now we're moving from the lens of creation now to the fall. We, what do we learn from this psalm in light of the fall? The creation isn't God, and it's not all one circle, and the creation shouldn't be worshiped, but rather the creation here is worshiping God. And one of the big reasons we praise God is that He didn't. we didn't make ourselves. And so we don't worship angels. We don't thank our lucky stars. We don't knock on wood because that's angels, trees, and stars. That's all bottom circle. It doesn't give any glory to God. We don't read horoscopes. We don't do astrology because that's bottom circle. It's, it doesn't bring glory to God. It's not, it's not big enough. And we don't look to ourselves either. We can't say, I found God on myself and I loved her fiercely. That's not gonna work you see our problem in this life is that by nature we are born as idolaters and the idolatry is to forget the upper circle and to begin to worship the creation and this is what Romans 1 makes a big deal of why God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them in all of his creation, in the, in the heavens and on earth. He says, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made And so they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. This is the beginning of idolatry. It starts with not being thankful. And then it says, then they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so as their their thinking gets uh, distorted, their hearts become darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. You wonder where all of this debauchery is happening and impurity in our culture. It's because they don't get Psalm 148. It's all bottom here. They can't see God. They can't see how it connects to God. They don't give glory to God. They, they want to just praise the creation, and they look to all of this creation. They want to lick the dust of the earth, as Pascal says. And, and when we do that, The Bible says God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And so they're they're missing the connections. And so here you have this praise of God for his word that has created us, his word that sustains us. And even all of these, and it's interesting, I mean, These inanimate objects are called to praise him. And most scholars probably think that that's, um, you know, poetic language. You know, here here you have these things like mountains and hills and fruit trees and cedars and things like that. They don't have brains. They can't think thoughts or have dreams and they, they can't think about God and give praise to God like we can. But the Bible does say to us that the creation is longing for redemption. Look with me for a moment at at Romans 8 if you have your Bible because this isn't the the end of the story of what God is doing with his creation. And the Bible just tells us in Romans uh, 8, beginning of verse 20, and talking about the fallenness of creation, he says, The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the, adem- for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And he says, for in this hope we were saved, now hope that is seen is not hope for he who hopes for what he sees for, but if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience. And Paul is outlining here that the creation is cursed and when the fall of Adam and Eve into sin and they're kicked out of the garden and we see that the ground now has thorns and thistles and there's, there's a fallenness that's built into, into this world and now we have this you know, second law of thermodynamics and built-in entropy. But we see that that's not the end of the story. The creation is longing for redemption but it's waiting and its redemption first has to come our redemption and our redemption will bring about its redemption and the creation is waiting as we we are waiting for what? The redemption of our bodies. And when Christ returns and and we get these new glorified bodies we will be here and there will be a restored eden and we will be able to hang out with the with the bear and the moose and these different animals and they're not just going to gobble you up you know we're told things like the lion lays down with the with the lamb and the little child puts its hand over the adder's nest you know the the, you know the snakes and you know all these things are going to there's going to be harmony again that's what Paul is getting at, that this, this story is not complete yet. Well, how is it going to be complete? Well, the Bible talks about in Psalm 8 how the psalmist says, when I consider your creation and all of the, the glory and, and what is man that you're mindful of him. You've, you've made him a little lower than the angels, right? And you've made him to rule over everything in the creation. This is how he's made man. But he's, Hebrews 2 turns around and says, well, we don't see that happening yet. Not everything is in sub- of subjection to him. But it's coming because the Son of Man has come down. And what for us was the greatest exaltation to be made a little lower than the angels, Hebrews 2 saying, You're not going to believe this, but Jesus became a little lower than the angels. He came down to restore the creation. As he restores humanity, he's going to restore the creation as well. It's going to happen. But in the meantime, we have to wrestle as Christians. What does this mean for us? Because every day, I can't look, I read the news on my Apple News every day and I'll look at CNN, I'll look at Fox and look at BBC and and every day, what's the lead articles right now? The earth is warming up, okay? And it's no longer, you know, uh, anger politics, that's there too. But there's the new angle, which is anxiety. We've got to build an anxiety in the people because it sells, people read it. And the question we've got to wrestle with is how much truth is in there? And we all are so quick to run to our agendas, whether we're Republican or Democrat. Should Christians care about the environment? Yes. Why? Because what did God tell Adam to do? He told him to cultivate and to keep. Those are the two commands he gave him: cultivate and to keep. Be the gardener, cultivate this, this, this paradise, and I want you to keep it, which is the same word for protect it. You're to take dominion over this land. Take dominion over the animals, over the things above, and over the things in the waters. Man is to have dominion, Adam and Eve. This is male and female. Both are, are these regents over his creation. But we are stewards and not owners and so we live in a world that doesn't see a second circle they see no god they either see them ourselves as we are the owners we can do whatever we want with the creation because there is no god and it's all for me and if i want to you know burn up as much you know carbon as i want well you don't don't you worry about that and it's amazing how we have some amazing blind spots where we think everybody else is the problem my brother is a is a pilot who flies a corporate jet and he flew this very rich woman a very long way and I forget what he was flying for but I think, you know, it wasn't... You know, I mean, he's, he's flown a lady one time to Nantucket to get her dog groomed in a corporate jet, okay? I mean, it's a different world, okay? And, and he flew one guy to Mexico and he didn't have his proper tennis balls. So My brother had to fly back in the jet to get the tennis balls in the States for this guy in Mexico because there was a certain brand. And when you play tennis, I mean, these didn't have the right feel to them. So your corporate jets, you know, going back and forth to bring this corporate CEO his, his tennis balls. Well, he flew this one lady and They'd flown a long way, and they're they're walking off the plane, and my brother has a Coke can, and he throws it in the trash can. And she looks at him with startled amazement, and says, aren't you going to recycle that? And and my brother was just kind of like, didn't know how to react to this, you know? And he just said, yes, you're right. And he grabbed the Coke can and looked for a recycling bin. You know, it's like, are are you kidding me? Like, we can have some amazing blind spots. I think as, as God's people we have to start studying this issue. I would recommend listening to the Gospel Coalition's Christian debate between two thoughtful Christians that are debating how should Christians view the environment. I mean look at, if you go to the Gospel Coalition, I mean great, the debates, listen to the one on the environment. I mean there's a lot here that I can't boil down to you but crystallize for you. But I'm trying to give you the nuts and bolts that we are responsible to cultivate. We are to keep and to protect. We're to care about God's creation. We should care when animals are becoming extinct. We should care when when areas are being too overfished. We should care when there's poaching of animals and and you know things that are just unnecessary. We should care about that. Now I'll close by saying this. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen the classic More Cowbell on Saturday Night skit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? More Cowbell? If you haven't seen it, it's this famous skit that just caught fire after it was done, but it was a Saturday Night skit where Will Ferrell is playing the cowbell to the song of don't fear the reaper by blue oyster colt and christopher walken is the producer he's the guest on the show and he keeps coming out and he keeps telling will farrell that he needs more cowbell and it becomes incredibly humorous because he's kind of bumping into the other musicians and he's just playing this cowbell and the cowbell is really not needed in hardly any songs. But the universal truth, as you think about it, and this, the skit is funny for lots of reasons, but there's a universal truth that I think is down deeper, is that we often feel like our part is really small in this world. But when we finally have a chance to play our part, and in the skit, I mean, Will Ferrell says, you know, there's hardly any songs where I get to play the cowbell, and I'm going to play the hell out of it. And I just wonder if Christians would say, this is my part, I'm gonna play the heaven out of it. I'm gonna bring glory to God because my it's finally my chance to play the cowbell. Like, when he's made you to do what he's made you to do, bring glory to God and play heaven out of it and bring glory to God with it because we all have a part to play. And all of creation is called in concert to praise him. We worship corporately because we're called to praise him and those three whales that breached the water this week they praised him in unison we saw that and we said glory to God and and when we help our neighbors and when we love one another and when we forgive people from the heart we bring glory to God what is the little cowbell that he's given you to play heaven out of it and bring glory to God with the skills and the talents that he's given to you as we wait on him with patience to restore things in its fullness of his beautiful creation. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our horn. You're our only strength. You're our rock. We thank you that, Lord, you will restore and redeem this creation and even our bodies. We long for that. Help us to make much of you here with the talents and the gifts and the abilities that you've given to us. And we ask that, Lord, you would get the glory and not ourselves. But we ask in your name. Amen.